This is On Target, a look at politics, crime, education, what's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador with the people who know. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your On Target host, Linda Swain. And good afternoon, everyone. Well, if, if you've been listening to the radio over the last little while, you'll know that Oceana Canada is putting the push on to find alternatives to the consumption of plastics. Oceana Canada is asking Canadians to try to go plastic-free in the month of July, and they're calling on residents to push for legislation on refillable and reusable packaging. Well, my guest today is plastics campaigner with Oceana Canada, Anthony Morante. Hello. Good morning. Afternoon. <laughs> Good afternoon. afternoon. <laughs> there you go. Not a, no trouble at all. So, tell us first of all uh, what the impact of plastics um, is on the environment and oceans in particular. Yeah, so in Canada, although we have a very small population, we actually use on average more plastic than a lot of other global citizens. And because of our unique geography, we're actually stewards of three oceans. So it is really important that the millions, millions of tons of plastic waste that we're creating every year um, is not ending up in our oceans and that we work actively to reduce all that unnecessary plastic waste. Well, how are plastics ending up in in the ocean in particular? Because, as you just mentioned, we're we're consuming all this plastic, but ostensibly we have recycling, we have landfills. How is it ending up in the ocean? Yeah, so I think one of the big things that we kind of need to start to teach Canadians is that landfill is environment. When we really come down to it, it is space that we're taking up to put plastic and garbage under the ground. But even in the process of doing that, a lot of that gets blown into the ocean. So a lot of these landfills are built near seaside towns. There's a lot of wind, a lot of rain, a lot of storms that'll come and it leaks into the ocean. Not only that, if you've ever walked by a major park, (laughs) a lot of the bins are overflowing and by just nature, it does end up in our lakes, then our rivers, then our ocean. So it is passively leaking and it is a large amount of and, you know, you, you may have heard while hold, on hold there uh, preparing for the show that uh, we do have a lot of issues with wind here in Newfoundland and Labrador and in uh, St. John's in particular. And I have had to stop my car, pull over, get out and pick up recycling from all over the road because it's just been blown around in the big blue bags. The wind can be Very that weird. high sometimes. Um, Extremely. And anytime I've, anytime I've visited Newfoundland to go on a hike up Groves Morn, even at those tops of those remote areas where there's a lot of environmentally conscious people going for hikes, exploring nature, you still find garbage up there. It's not like it's limited just to the cities. It's, it's everywhere. It's kind of funny you mentioned that because, uh, not funny, it's kind of sad, but it's also funny uh, in that uh, we, we put in a plastic bag ban in Newfoundland and Labrador a couple of years ago, right in the middle of COVID, as a matter of fact. And that um, used to be in the spring of the year, you knew it was spring because you see all the plastic bags in the trees. But uh, I was amused to see not too long ago, one of the recycle bags <laughs> was up in a tree. So the wind will take whatever it can take, in other words, and put it wherever it wants to put it it will for sure and i think that's one of the the main things when we talk about the amount of plastic what plastic free july is really all about 
uh, we're asking for governments to rethink like all of the things that we're buying that are coming in plastic, things like your laundry detergent, your hand soap, uh, a box of spinach, or like a bag of potatoes. A lot of those things do not need this packaging or it should be packaging that you could bring back to the store to be cleaned and refilled rather than going right into the waste. And that's really at the core of what Plastic Free July and Oceania Canada is asking. We're asking for governments to make sure that there are requirements nationwide so that there are unnecessary plastics are taken off the market and that we're, we are using plastic for things like, in my mind, laundry detergent is the first thing that comes to mind. You can bring that back or like a large bottle of Coke, you can bring that back to be refilled rather than going right into the waste. Uh, and I like that idea. I have to be honest with you. Uh, I grew up with uh, uh, the milkman coming once a week or sometimes twice a week to pick up the empty bottles and, and drop off the, the refilled bottles. Does, uh, does that concept, though, when it comes to um, the foodstuffs and, and drink and that sort of thing, when it has to be cleaned and refilled, does that cause an added concern? How might that work? No, so it's actually, it's a really good point with the milkman because the, my house right now actually has, the, the, I still have a little drawer on the side of the house where you can come pick it up. Obviously, it's boarded up and no one uses it anymore. But it's that notion that those systems existed back in the, the 70s and the 80s, right before single-use plastic really kind of skyrocketed to, I'll say, its fame. But the thing is, is that we live in a bubble in Canada and North America in general. A lot of other countries like Brazil and Germany and uh, Morocco and Mexico have kept those refill and reuse systems in place. They never got rid of them. And they've adapted to all these new products that come into place like soaps, like washes, like food, like soda pop, milk, water, etc., a lot of the systems still exist and they actually create another sector and more jobs in that sense because there is a clean refill reuse delivery sector that now exists for those so they saw the economic and the environmental value in those systems before and they never got rid of them canada we, we got rid of them we moved towards single use but it's really time to start calling back to those systems and moving towards them I want to talk to you a little bit more about some of the solutions that can be offered in in trying to reduce plastic because heaven knows we've all tried, anybody who's conscious about it has tried. It's really difficult to do uh, when we come back right after this. I'm speaking with Plastics Campaigner with Oceana Canada, Anthony Morante. We'll be back right after this. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM. And we're back. We're talking about plastics uh, with plastics campaigner with Oceana Canada, Anthony Morante. And uh, Oceana Canada is asking Canadians to go plastic free, but it's a lot harder than it sounds. That To me, as a consumer, it seems that there just aren't that many alternatives available unless you really want to work at it. Yeah, and I think that's really what we're asking for at the core of this is I think historically we've always been told, same way with a carbon footprint, you have to reduce the amount of plastic you're using, you have to reduce the amount of oil and gas you're using. But really, we should be asking for the government to make these strict uh, requirements for these large plastic-producing companies to not put everything in plastic, to give us refillable and reusable containers that 
you bring back to the store, you get money back for them. They actually directly clean and reuse them versus just going into our waste and our recycling bins. So that is what we're asking. If you go to Oceana.ca, it's O-C-E-A-N-A dot C-A. You can actually learn more and sign a petition, add your voice to a call for the government to make those system changes and really give everyone real choices and real opportunity to be more sustainable. Right, because so it seems right now the onus is on the consumer. Yeah, and that's a narrative that we're really trying to change here. It's If you ever have seen a big oil and gas company with the carbon footprint kind of mindset that you need to change it, but they'll still keep selling oil and gas, uh, it is at the core there. These are the same companies. Plastic comes from oil and gas. So it's a similar narrative, but I think Canadians have finally caught on to it that Yes, I encourage everyone to try to be as plastic-free as you can, but just like you said, if you go into a grocery store, there's not a lot of options for you to be plastic-free, and especially where you are. Being on in Newfoundland, a lot of uh, your produce and everything is being shipped in from the mainland or from other countries, so it's going to be heavily packaged, but that shouldn't be on you to try to be plastic-free when that's your only choice. Government should require more choices for you that are plastic-free and more environmentally conscious. So what was behind this big plastic revolution, so to speak, in the, in the 60s and really caught on, I suppose, in the, in the 70s? Because I remember people in Newfoundland and Labrador in particular, I was one of them, scoffing, mm-hmm. scoffing about the whole concept of bottled water. Sure, why would you buy a bottle of water? And yet, <laughs> here we are, absolutely overwhelmed with bottled water and other drinks. So what happened? Yeah, it's really, this became a, plastic is a byproduct of oil and gas. So it became another profitable sector for oil and gas companies. And it was sold to us as something very cheap, lightweight, and convenient uh, in order to package and ship things. In, In honesty, it is much lighter to package something in, let's say, plastic than it is glass. However, we were always kind of told this concept that, well, that's more convenient. But when you think about it, that plastic bottle is going to outlive you or your grandchildren. It's going to end up in the stomach of a whale. It's going to wash up in the shores of another country. Uh, It's going to put people at risk, and it's going to leak chemicals the whole time while it's making that journey. So we're learning over time that that kind of marketing that was sold to us back in the 90s, the 80s, early noughts, it's really not true. It's, It's quite not convenient to have a product that you use for two minutes. Uh, and then survives for 400 years. It seems to be one of the pivotal moments was um, when there was a a big problem with the two-liter of pop. Uh, I think it started with Coca-Cola. There was a real concern because if somebody dropped one of those two big two-liters of a a glass, you know, carbonated drink, it essentially became a bomb, and there were people getting injured. It It was quite something. And so that turned to plastic, and then after that happened, it seems to me it just took off from there. Yeah, it's really, I think a lot of people see it as a piece of convenience and a a way to easily ship and store products. But when we're starting to think about it and seeing how food is being prepared and being shipped and more people trying to support local and that less of an intensive journey of those food, a lot of these packaging do not need to exist. So we can actually cut down our plastic. But Again, really hitting that point that you were saying before, it is so hard for a consumer like you or I to be truly plastic-free. It requires a lot of time, effort, and money to go search out those other options. 
but we are asking the government to bring those options to the forefront. I would love it if I went into a grocery store and I could buy chips that were in a box or I could buy um, pop in a glass bottle that I brought back to be refilled. Similar to, I live in Ontario, so if we buy a beer bottle, we can bring it back to the beer store and get the money back from it, but I can't do that with a pop bottle, even if it's glass. Strange, isn't it? Why is that? You tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a system set up by the provincial government, um, but it's limited to specific um, food and drink that they control in Ontario, that, that is liquor. Um, but they don't control things like laundry detergent. They don't control things like soda pop. So it is something that we're asking the federal government to create these regulations that actually gives provinces and cities control over plastic consumption and really puts the onus back on those plastic producers to provide options for us. And you pointed out earlier, and, and I wanted to uh, reference this, that, you know, there are there are some who argue that plastics have actually improved food safety and availability, especially in a country in Canada where it's so, you know, the, the geography is so huge. And we live on an island here in Newfoundland, and of course Labrador is, is also isolated uh, to an extent. And, you know, we have the Canadian North and the like. And so shipping stuff will take days, uh, if not sometimes weeks, to, to mm-hmm. get food here. And they, the argument is, is that plastic has helped to keep food safe and clean and um, fresh, if you will, yes. for some of the, so So what are the alternatives? Are there any alternatives to that, to, to shipping uh, food long distance and, and keeping it safe and healthy? Well, so you bring up a really good point here, is that when you do have areas that are geographically isolated or food must travel a large distance, exemptions can always be made. But I think when you think about the geography of Canada and the amount of waste we produce, arguably one city like Montreal or Toronto probably produces on average far more waste than the whole island of Newfoundland. So it's one of those things that in order to have an overall waste reduction, yes, we should have exemptions for isolated and remote communities. You were speaking about bottled water before. There's a lot of water scarcity across Canada. There are a lot of Indigenous communities that don't have access to clean, healthy water, which they should definitely by this time and age. But those exemptions have to kind of exist to mediate human health in doing it and making sure that there is food security for people all across the country in every community. But when we think about the amount of waste that we're producing and where that waste is coming from, it's generally coming from our larger cities, which are located in the south of Canada, where we can implement these systems to heavily reduce it. I wouldn't want to say, no, we can't package anything in plastic anymore, because that would mean something like spinach could ever go up to the island of Newfoundland, and it's a very healthy thing, so we need to get it up there. But do we need to have every box of spinach packaged in Toronto, in Montreal, in Vancouver, in Ottawa? No, we don't. So it's one of those things that we need to start looking at how much waste Canada makes, allow the exemptions for where food security and water security is needed, but where it is not needed. That's a huge area we can reduce the amount of plastic we have. I want to talk to you about recycling. 
<laughs> and I know it's becoming a bit of a sticky topic lately because what is recycling precisely? So I'm going to explore that with you when we come back after the break. My guest today on On Target is plastics campaigner with Oceana Canada. Anthony Morante will be back right after this. Got plans for midnight? Bring your VOCM along with the best soundtrack for every night anywhere. The VOCM All Night Show. Midnight on your VOCM. And we're back. My guest today on On Target is plastics campaigner with Oceana Canada, Anthony Morante. And Anthony, if you can just stand by for a second, we have some unfolding uh, information, a situation in the uh, Stephenville area. So anybody in Stephenville or who is heading to Stephenville, uh, please be aware that uh, Bay St. George RCMP are asking the public to avoid St. George's Avenue and Woodland Drive in Stephenville as police are currently responding to an unfolding situation at a home there. Residents in the area are asked to remain inside their homes for the time being. So residents of Stephenville, listen up. Bay St. George RCMP asking the public to avoid the St. George's Avenue and Woodland Drive uh, area of Stephenville as police are currently responding to an unfolding situation at a home. That's at 1.30 this afternoon. For those who are listening now in the rebroadcast, I'm sorry. Residents in the area are asked to remain inside their homes for the time being, and VOCM News will have updates on that as they become available. So... Anthony, we were talking about uh, plastic consumption and reducing consumption, but a lot of people are very diligent. I'm one of them, sorting my plastics all the time and making sure they're out on the curb when they're supposed to be picked up. What is recycling precisely? How are plastics recycled? Yeah, so there are, (laughs) recycling is always an interesting topic for me. Uh, Recycling can kind of be thought of as two uh, main ways that something's being recycled. When you sort it, it's being put into a bin, it's being collected, and it's being mechanically recycled, uh, which is the true breaking down, shredding of that product, and then rebuilding into another one. That, to me, uh, is like the purest form of recycling. That is true recycling. Now, there are other forms of recycling. <laughs> they are called advanced recycling or chemical recycling. Um, I think in Newfoundland, you've heard this term quite a bit, actually, in Lewisport, when there was an advanced recycling uh, plant that was being proposed to be built. Now, those two categories, advanced or chemical recycling, are a little bit of a I'll say a, a, a misnomer a in that, uh, in that they are not actually true recycling. They are the taking of plastic products, uh, and they are essentially, through a chemical process, breaking them back down into a liquid and then turning them into a fuel. Ultimately, generally, they're being burned. Now, that may seem still like you're reducing plastic waste because you are taking something large and you're turning it down into a fuel, Um, But one thing you can learn from that is that when you do burn plastic fuel, there are a lot of emissions coming out of that. There's a lot of toxins, a lot of pollutants coming with it, and generally, (laughs) they're very bad for the environment. So you do have these two kind of categories of, I would say, a false recycling, which is chemical or advanced recycling, and the mechanical, which is true, of which in Canada, we only actually truly recycle about 8% of our plastic waste. Is that right? Even though we're all doing our sorting and shifting and blue bags (laughs) and all of that stuff, why is it so low? It, It is so low because when... Originally, when plastic came out, 
there were only a few forms of plastic, right? When it originally was coming out, it was pure plastic. It was used as a single tool, as a wrap, as a container, as a vessel, something to hold a, a product. But over time, plastic has evolved. There are different types of polymers of plastic. You know that there are now, uh, when you look at the bottom of a plastic container, there's one through X number that is continually growing. And a lot of times we're having plastic mixed with other products. Think about when milk moved out of a bag uh, and it started becoming more of a carton or a coffee cup. Those are paper products that are lined with plastic. And our advanced, or sorry, our recycling systems have not caught up to these new products. So there is no kind of true way to separate that plastic from the paper. So those items end up going into landfill anyway. It's one of those things that only a few items actually have really high recyclable uh, returns on them. Things like water bottles or uh, pop bottles are actually quite good at being recaptured and sorted out because they have an easy shape that can be pulled from a recycling center. But other things like plastic wrap or what your chips are put in into a bag, a little pouch, or those small little wrappers that maybe hold a straw in a juice box, a lot of those don't get captured and they end up going to landfill anyway. And you just hit on something because it seems to me that packaging just get, keeps getting <laughs> more onerous. You you have a package inside a package inside a package in some cases, three la- layers of packaging. Uh, how can we get away from that? Again, the, those are some of the asks that we're asking the government to do. A lot of these advanced marketing that uses plastic, think about all the glue, all the dyes, all the adhesives that are used to hold labels on plastic packaging or changing the color of plastic from clear to red or orange or black or green. These are all things that can contaminate plastic and avoid it from being recycled. So it's one of those things that if we have a standard, what is a, what is a chip bag? What is a water bottle? What is a coffee cup? That can actually improve recycling and reduce overall waste. So those are all things that we're asking the government to consider when they're coming out with new regulations to try to limit the amount of plastic waste that's entering our environment. Where does our recycling go? Uh, Sadly, landfill or the environment. (laughs) That is ultimately where it it ends up. Um, And a big thing is that a lot of products, when they do enter the environment, are quite lethal to wildlife. So that's why one of the things about the single-use plastic ban we're so happy about is that things like six-pack ring containers are being banned, straws are being banned, plastic bags are being banned. Those are all things that wildlife directly interact with, mistaken as food, become entangled in. But there are a lot of other items that are still not on that list. So we are asking for all unnecessary single-use plastics to be removed and really it's ultimately protect our oceans. So, and this is a, a loaded question, I know, but is, is, so is recycling a lie? Recycling, uh, that's a trick. <laughs> it is a tricky question. I, I won't say recycling is a lie. I don't want a plastic company to quote me on, on that one, but I will say the lie is that everything that you are, be, that you are putting into your blue bin is ending up being recycled. Uh, I think Canada, uh, the provinces, need to really come to an understanding and acknowledgement that most of what the good work people are doing in terms of separating their garbage, separating their recycling, taking the time to be environmentally conscious, 
is not having the high return that they are being told that their work is doing. So the Canadian government really needs to own up to this. It needs to set in place regulations that meet the measure of citizens like you or I that sort out our recycling. We have good faith that we're taking our soap bottle or our shampoo bottle and we're putting it in the recycling because it says recyclable on it, that it is truly being recycled. And I hope that is something the government is considering as well as if something has the word recycling on it or recyclable on it, it should be recycled. Are we focusing mainly here on packaging and single-use plastics or, or plastics as a whole? Because I have to be honest, I was never more aware of the amount of plastic coming into my home as when I became a mother. Absolutely everything that was available on the market for babies and children growing up right through the years was made out of plastic. Yeah, it's... So at Oceana Canada, we're focusing on single-use packaging uh, because packaging of the millions and millions of tons of plastic waste that Canada produces every year, nearly half of it is purely packaging. The other waste, if you look around the world now, uh, plastic is everywhere. It's in our phone. It's in our computer. A lot of cars are made out of plastic. Tires are plastic, a lot of construction materials plastic. But where we're seeing a huge chunk of this uh, plastic waste ending up in landfill in the environment is that packaging. So that is our target. That is what we're aiming at. Um, and it is a, a target that has an actual solution to it. Refillable and reusable packaging is a solution that works in other countries. And the nice thing about it is there are small businesses that have found solutions to these. So in a city like Toronto, where I am now, there are lots of companies that actually partner with restaurants and provide them with reusable, refillable, and collectible uh, takeout containers. So that, let's say I order, let's, let's say pizza or a soup or some Thai food later on tonight, it can actually come in a metal container with a reusable lid that gets picked up and cleaned at the end of the day. You're making me hungry now. <laughs> so I know. It, I'm really uh, planning dinner. <laughs> So what kind of materials are best for uh, these types of reusable or refillable? You mentioned a, a metal container. What other kinds of, of materials can be used? Yeah, so I think first and foremost, it's less about thinking about what materials can substitute packaging and really considering, does this need packaging, period. So that, that's always our first line of defense because the first R in the sustainability pyramid is reduce and refuse uh, to try to remove that packaging from it. But when you come down to a uh, piece that actually does require packaging, you have options like metal and you have options like glass that are, yes, heavier or maybe a little more intensive to get out of the ground the first time. But a glass bottle and a metal container can last hundreds, if not thousands of times in life cycles, much more than a plastic container can. Sure, you can pass it down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I've had a reusable coffee mug that I've had for about six years now. It's still going strong. So <laughs> yeah. that, that's how many thousands of coffee cups I don't use anymore. Well, for sure. Uh, big difference there. So uh, are those options readily available to people or do we have to demand them? And who do we demand them from? You've mentioned government, but should we be going to our favorite stores and saying, hey, how, you, why don't you try this? I, I, my best advice is attack at all fronts here. Uh, we, we are in favor right now of a government that is pro removing plastic and protecting the environment. So 
the best we can do to support them and guide them on this journey uh, is what we can do. So going towards your federal government, that is Oceana's uh, main target for this. We speak directly to the prime minister, to the minister of the environment, and make sure that they are hearing what environmentalists and Canadians want to hear. We've done polling across the country. Over 85 percent of Canadians want refillable and reusable containers, and it should not cost them any more. Two-thirds of Canadians think that the idea of burning plastic is uh, not healthy for the environment. It is bad for the environment and it's pollution. So we know that there's a consensus around this. Now, if you want to act on the local level, that is also going towards your uh, municipal town council, your provincial government. And yes, like you said, going towards your stores and letting them know, hey, if you have the option to... uh, Doctor shelves with plastic or non-plastic producers, I would prefer it if you chose non-plastic. But it is, again, we need to have those system-level changes to provide those businesses that you are making that the right options and the opportunities to be able to answer your request. In a lot of places in Canada, they, they just can't answer that request right now because the options aren't given to them. But if we make government impose regulations and restrictions on plastic producers and make them responsible for the products that are ending up in our environment and our landfills, real options will start to become available for them. You mentioned a number of countries that have adopted this uh, reusable and refillable uh, type of um, uh, approach to uh, certain products, but where do we stand globally? How do we compare to other Western nations of uh, similar size and, and I guess, uh, economic development uh, in terms of um, the use of plastics and the like? Yeah, it's a real checkerboard on that because there are jurisdictions like the state of California that just passed an extremely stringent uh, plastic packaging bill that actually requires on mass both units and weight plastic packaging to be dramatically reduced for refillable and reusable containers to be a part of the system. Uh, you look to countries like Germany that has had refillable and reusable packaging systems for a lot of their products like soda, like detergents, like soap. For years, you look at a country like Mexico that has a one of their cities has almost the entire population of Canada in it, um, and they simply just do not have single-use pop. It's always been there for them. Or a country like Chile that requires recycled content in all of their plastic products, um, and that it has to be made locally in Chile, creating tons of economic growth. It's a real checkered checkerboard of um, where we stand in it. We stand really well in the fact that we have a plastic ban coming into place. We're posed well to have these changes come in because we have a low population, but we just haven't had these real options come into the country for quite some time now. Is part of the problem um, different regulations in different jurisdictions? And I want to ask you a little bit more about that when we come back after the break. My guest today on On Target is Plastics Campaigner with Oceana Canada, Anthony Morante. We'll be back right after this. Take a break. Join us weekdays from 1230 to 1 p.m. as we discuss anything and everything that's happening now. It's all on the table during your VOCM lunch break. And our guest today is Plastics Campaigner with Oceana Canada, Anthony Morante. We're talking about about uh, plastics and recycling and reducing. And uh, before the break, I asked you, um, is part of the issue different regulations in different jurisdictions? We have a plastic bag ban here in Newfoundland uh, and Labrador, but um, some other provinces don't have that. And it it just so happens, (laughs) and this is no coincidence, but it just so happens I have a plastic bottle in front of me that I have refilled, believe it or not, with a drink. And on it, it's 
says recycle or return for refund. Uh, so some places have that ability to return for refund, others don't. So, you know, there seems to me there's a lot of different regulations and rules. There are, and I think you bring up a really good point with the fact that Newfoundland was ahead of the curve banning plastic bags throughout the whole province. Oh, there goes a motorcycle, if you can hear that. <laughs> um, it's one of those things that when it comes to recycling, when it comes to plastic production, reducing plastic waste, we really look at this on a national scale. We do have these heroes that exist across the country. And similar to Newfoundland, the island of Montreal had a plastic bag ban. Vancouver Island had a lot of plastic products being banned before the national ban came into effect. Now, when we talk about things like offering refillable and reuse programs, again, there are examples of this checkered throughout the country. Ontario and Quebec, you can return a lot of your beer and your wine bottles, but that's not offered everywhere. So when we look at this, we're really looking at this at a federal scale and asking the federal government to impose regulations or restrictions, uh, new laws to come into place to offer these choices for everyone. So we don't have to look to our heroes across the country who are ahead of the curve, but rather nationally all Canadians can partake in this. So we're really looking at a federal level for new regulations, new laws to come into place. And really at the core of those, those are to provide Canadians and businesses with better choices that are environmentally conscious and that spur a whole new economic sector to refill and reuse and better recycling. I've noticed that a, a, f a few of the products that I've been buying, uh, bread, for instance, you know, the little plastic thingamajiggers <laughs> on the top of your bread bag, they've turned those into, into paper now. Some companies have, yes. <laughs> um, and that's actually uh, more common on the East Coast. I have been yet to find one over here in Toronto, but I have friends that live in Halifax or St. John's that always post these, these photos of, oh my God, this is amazing. My, my bread tag is now paper. It's not plastic anymore. And then when I go to my grocery store uh, in downtown Toronto here, all I see is plastic. So it's one of those... Uh, we, we, I would, I would love to partake in that as well. <laughs> <But laughs> well, we, we need a, a national policy on that. Hint, hint to bread makers in uh, Toronto. Um, oh, so, stand up. <laughs> is is the expansion of this uh, ban on single-use plastics a, a good first start? It's a good first start. Um, as one of my colleagues at Environmental Defense, uh, Karen Burstyn, said, uh, we need to bite the whole pie, and we're just nibbling at it right now. So it is a good first start. It's a huge first start. We started making our way through it, and it's opened up the door to see, hey, this is possible. And as you can see, the sky has not fallen. Uh, we're still, everyone's still going about their day with the plastic ban now being announced and becoming law. So we can do this too. It's, the best thing is that we can actually see in other countries. It's already exists. It's not like we're going to uphold our entire society by introducing refillable and reusable packaging or removing unnecessary packaging. We're actually providing more options and we're becoming more of a global citizen in terms of protecting the environment. And does that give that nudge to companies then? I'm thinking in terms of especially something like those ring holders for cans of drink and that sort of thing. Will that nudge companies to say, well, I've got to do it for these jurisdictions. I might as well do it right across the board? I hope so. So one of the big things for us is that ahead of the single-use plastic ban, well, motorcycles going like crazy in front of my house, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, 
we need to ban those kids. Uh, one of the things that happened with single class ban was even just the murmurs and discussions about a policy banning single use plastics actually prompted a lot of companies to move ahead of it because you're a business owner, that's just good strategy. You know something's coming, you know your operations are going to have to change to adapt. Why not get ahead of it? So we're hoping this is the same kind of effect. We're constantly promoting refillable and reusable packaging solutions. We know that Canadians want it. Again, over 85% of Canadians will take a refillable option over a single-use option when given the choice. So it is a huge consumer market that they can tap into, and that that's where trends are going. It's just better business if they move towards that trend. Well, uh, Anthony Morante, I, I want to thank you for joining us uh, for the show today. Some interesting options being discussed here, and I'm sure uh, a lot of people are like yourself and like myself have been thinking and pondering on ways in which to reduce the use of um, plastics that really don't last that long but last forever in the environment. Uh, I want to thank you for your time this afternoon. Well, and thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. And uh, Anthony Morente, of course, is in Toronto, and he's got a busy thing going on in the neighborhood there. Uh, so we'll let him go with that. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great day.